Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Peace talks between Russia and Ukraine restart today. President Biden clarifies his remarks on Vladimir Putin. Billionaires in private equity gird for tax hikes from the White House. And bankers in Hong Kong score pay raises and promotions. New York Mayor Eric Adams is slamming Florida's new Don't Say Gay bill, plus the January 6th panel recommends holding two Trump aides in contempt. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashower in sports. The Knicks beat the Bulls at the Garden. The UConn women won in double overtime to advance to the Final Four. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. futures are higher this morning. We're coming up to 5.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 13 points, Dow futures up 94, NASDAQ futures up 32. The DAX in Germany is up 1.2%. Ten-year Treasury down 11.30 seconds, yield 2.5%. The yield on the two-year, 2.41%. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.1%, up $1.11 at hundred. $7.04 a barrel and the euro 1.0981 against the dollar. Nathan. Karen, we begin this morning with the latest on the war in Eastern Europe. Ukraine is looking for a ceasefire agreement in talks with Russian negotiators today. We get the very latest from Bloomberg International Affairs reporter Mark Champion. What is exchanged for the ceasefire is less clear and the sequencing would be quite difficult because at the moment what the Ukrainians are talking about is they would agree to neutrality. In exchange for neutrality, there would be security guarantees from other Western countries similar to NATO's Article 5. You know, all that would have to be agreed in a referendum that would take a year. So how that all gets sequenced is extremely difficult to understand. What would be the borders that were being guaranteed by these guarantors in the West is difficult to understand at that point. Bloomberg's Mark Champion reports talks are underway in Turkey. President Erdogan is telling the Ukrainian and Russian delegations he expects, quote, good news from the meeting. Meantime, Nathan, Russia appears to be making good on its debt. Moscow says it made a more than $100 million interest payment on its foreign bonds, despite financial isolation. In the face of warnings from credit rating agencies, the government has so far sidestepped a default. Back here in the U.S., Karen, President Biden is clarifying his remarks on Vladimir Putin. He says the U.S. is not seeking to remove the Russian president, but he does have the right to express concern. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The president says he's not planning regime change in Russia, but has a right to express his opinion. I was expressing my outrage at the behavior of this man. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. And it's more an aspiration than anything. He shouldn't be in power. There's no, I mean, people like this shouldn't be ruling countries, but they do. 
The fact they do, but doesn't mean I can't express my outrage about it. And NATO is having its debate about talking directly with Putin. Some countries saying before any talks, there has to be a ceasefire in Ukraine. In San Francisco, I'm at Baxter Bloomberg Daybreak. Ed, thank you. Now an update on President Biden's agenda back home. The White House is doubling down on efforts to overhaul the tax code. It's looking to get more money from the wealthiest households and largest companies. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. President Biden says his plan is designed to chip away at the deficit run up by the Trump administration. This year we're on track to cut the deficit by more than $1 trillion, $300 billion. That would be the largest one-year reduction in the deficit in U.S. history. Now, part of that would be funded through a minimum tax on mega millionaires and billionaires, including on their unrealized gains, raising an estimated $360 billion over a decade from roughly the wealthiest 20,000 households in the country. But it faces opposition in Congress and not just from Republicans. The billionaire tax is also a key fault line between moderate Democrats and progressives. White House advisors are now talking with lawmakers about how to win support for the tax proposal. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris. Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Amy. Meantime, the Senate has passed a measure to help U.S. tech companies. Senators passed their version of a long-stalled bill to help the U.S. semiconductor industry and boost competitiveness with China. That sets the stage for negotiations with the House, which passed its own version. The measure includes $52 billion to boost chip manufacturing. All right, let's turn to the markets now, Nathan. And a few companies making headlines this morning. Bloomberg's John Tucker joins us live with the latest. Good morning, John. Good morning, Karen. Let's start out with FedEx, the package shipping company named Raj Subramanian as its new CEO. He takes the reins from 77-year-old founder Fred Smith, who pioneered express delivery almost 50 years ago. Smith had been in the midst of a campaign to overhaul the company to stem declining profit margins. Meantime, Amazon has become the first mega-cap tech stock to erase losses for the year. Shares are now up 1.4% on the year after having dropped more than 18% earlier this month. And also of note this morning, meme favorite GameStop rose for a 10th consecutive session yesterday. That gives the stock its longest winning streak since April of 2010. It's up a staggering 143% or over the past two weeks. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. And John, in London this morning, shares of Barclays are down uh, three and two-thirds percent after a shareholder sold about $1.2 billion of stock. The sale came a day after Barclays revealed a costly blunder in how it sold billions of dollars in securities. The identity of the Barclays seller was not disclosed. Meantime in Hong Kong, Nathan, the outlook for bankers is looking up. The city has seen an exodus of finance staff, but those that stayed are getting rewarded. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. For tech-savvy workers willing to live in a city largely isolated from the rest of the world, opportunities like big promotions and big pay increases are plentiful, at least in the short term. Typically, finance workers heading to a different company in Hong Kong would get about a 15% pay hike. But executive search firm ESGI says they're seeing 20 to 30 percent increases. Meantime, government data show the number of new visas issued to foreign financial service workers in Hong Kong fell last year, down almost 50 percent from 2018. And that was before the Omicron variant prompted more lockdowns. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Renita, thanks. S&P futures up 14 points. Dow futures up 111. NASDAQ futures up 35 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
It's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're 25 degrees in Central Park. Good start so far on the bridges and tunnels. We'll check traffic in just a few minutes. First, Michael Barr is here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is denouncing Florida's controversial Don't Say Gay bill. In signing the bill, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says the legislation forbids instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. In Florida, uh, we not only know that parents have a right to be involved, uh, we insist that parents have a right to be involved. Joe Saunders with the LGBTQ advocacy group Equality Florida said DeSantis has set the state back decades. Governor DeSantis has damaged our state's reputation as a welcoming and inclusive place for all families. He has made us a laughingstock and a target of national derision. Worse, he has made schools less safe for children. New York Mayor Adams called the bill hateful and harmful, saying on social media to the families living in fear of this state-sponsored discrimination, you're welcome in New York City. Our arms and hearts are wide open. A House committee voted unanimously last night to recommend contempt citations against two of former President Trump's White House advisors for defying subpoenas to testify into last year's riot at the U.S. Capitol. The panel named former aides Dan Scavino and Peter Navarro. Congresswoman Liz Cheney, the top Republican on the select committee, said anyone who participated in the January 6th effort should be held accountable. As a federal judge concluded today... The illegality of President Trump's plan for January 6th was, quote, obvious. Cheney was referring to U.S. District Judge David Carter, writing, The court finds it more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021. The founder of Citadel is giving $40 million to New York City's American Museum of Natural History. The donation is part of the $340 million raised so far for the Richard Gilder Center for Science, Education, and Innovation, which is set to open sometime late between 2022 and early 2023. Actor Will Smith apologized to Chris Rock after he slapped the comedian at the Oscars Sunday night. Meanwhile, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences opened a formal review of Smith's behavior. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Bard. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Michael, thank you. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanchion. Good morning, Nathan. It's hard to make the NBA playoffs when you win only one game in the month of February like the Knicks did. And the Knicks are almost certainly not going to make it four and a half games behind. But they have won four in a row for the first time all year. They came from 12 down, beat Chicago at the Garden 109-104. R.J. Barrett with 28 points, Alley Burks 27, DeMar DeRozan poured in 37 for the Bulls. Nets home tonight for Detroit. Rangers are in Pittsburgh. NCAA Women's Tournament double overtime in Bridgeport, UConn, beat NC State 91-87. Reaction from the coach, Gino Oriema, and the star player, Paige Beckers. It's one of the best games I've ever been a part of um, since I've been in UConn. Uh, regular season, postseason, it doesn't really matter. It was just a lot of fun to play in. Uh, two very competitive teams, like Coach said, just playing for our lives at that point, and we found a way to win, and we stuck together, and we stayed composed, and, yeah, I'm just, it was a really exciting game for sure. So you can go to the women's Final Four for the 22nd time under Oriyama. They've gone now 14 years in a row. 
The Jets have signed free agent defensive lineman Solomon Thomas. Once the third overall pick of the draft, he played for Jets coach Robert Sala when Sala coached the 49ers defense. Giants GM Joe Shane says he has not initiated any trade talks regarding Saquon Barkley. NFL owners are meeting. They're considering a change in overtime rules where both teams will be assured of a possession. Baseball 42-year-old Albert Pujols says this will be his final season. He's spending it with the team he used to star for, the St. Louis Cardinals. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. S&P futures up 20 points. Dow futures up 146. NASDAQ futures higher by 59 points. Ten-year Treasury yield 2.51%. The yield on the two-year 2.42, a spread of eight basis points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, breezy, high only near 40 today. Chance for midday rain or snow tomorrow. Otherwise, scattered afternoon showers with highs in the mid-40s will be near 70 by Thursday. Right now, 25 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are rising as ceasefire talks between Russia and Ukraine help to fuel risk appetite. U.S. stock index futures also gaining after benchmark indexes rose for a third session yesterday. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up 20 points. Dow futures up 143. NASDAQ futures up 60. The DAX in Germany is up one and three quarters percent. Ten-year Treasury down 14, 30 seconds. Yield 2.51 percent. The yield on the two-year, 2.42 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down four-tenths percent, or 43 cents, at $105.63 a barrel. COMEX gold down one and a half percent, down $29.30 cents, at 1915 40 an ounce. The euro, one Point one zero two six against the dollar. British pound one point three zero eight nine, and the yen at one hundred twenty three point six four. Bitcoin this morning moving lower, down half percent at forty seven thousand seven hundred thirty dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. More than a month after Russia invaded Ukraine, the two nations resumed negotiations toward a ceasefire today. The sit down is taking place over three days and. Istanbul. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says his country would consider a neutrality agreement to achieve peace. Shanghai beefed up lockdown restrictions for people residing in the eastern half of the city, barring everyone from leaving their homes even to walk their dogs. Record local daily COVID-19 infections jumped today to close to 4,800. In the NBA, the Knicks won. The Celtics and Warriors lost. UConn is heading back to the women's NCAA Final Four for the 14th straight time. The Huskies beat North Carolina State in double overtime. UConn will face Stanford. Louisville is also in. They'll face South Carolina. In the NHL, the Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Mark Champion is with us now, Bloomberg News Senior Reporter for International Affairs, as we continue to monitor these uh ceasefire talks just now really getting underway in Istanbul between Ukraine and Russia. Mark, good morning. Uh, obviously, as I would say, they're, they're just getting underway here. But what were the expectations heading into these discussions? 
Well, it's the first time in two weeks, so that's a that's a plus right there. Um, but uh, on both sides, they've been sort of talking it down a little bit. Uh, on the Russian side, they said there have been no breakthroughs, uh, nothing uh, to really change the game. Um, on the Ukrainian side, a little bit more optimism, but they also have said there's um, a lot of uh, detail for every point that they have in principle agreed. There's a lot of detail for each point that hasn't been. Um, and the key issue really is that you've got two uh, kind of timescales for things to agree. The first is on a ceasefire, um, where the Ukrainians say their kind of minimum goal is just uh, an improvement in the humanitarian situation to stop the killing, essentially. Um, and then you have a peace settlement, which w- includes all kinds of things like territorial agreements, uh, who owns what, um, and also, you know, when do, do the Russian troops withdraw? All these things make for quite a complicated uh, puzzle. Um, so there's a lot to get through. Yeah, a puzzle that sounds like it would take weeks, if not months, to get through. But is the expectation then that a ceasefire would have to be in place and holding before they could get to those broader discussions about a settlement? Well, that's that's the hard part. So, you know, ideally what Ukraine would like is just a ceasefire. Uh, you know, with no uh, attached um, requirements. Uh, but it sounds like uh, they, there has to be some sort of agreement on neutrality uh, where, you know, the Russians will agree to a ceasefire, but um, we don't know exactly when they would agree to pull their troops out. Um, but for the ceasefire, they're looking for some agreement on neutrality. Um, Zelensky says he's open to that. President Zelensky of Ukraine says he's open to it. Uh, but at the same time, that, uh, you know, he would need security guarantees from uh, Western countries similar to NATO Article 5. It's, you know, that seems rather difficult for Russia to accept, which is very opposed to any kind of NATO membership. Uh, so a kind of ersatz NATO uh, security guarantee would be difficult to swallow. Um, and also for those countries, it would dip- be difficult to know what they are guaranteeing at a time when uh, no agreement exists on uh, borders. Uh, Zelensky also says there has to be a referendum, which would take a year uh, on any of uh, that kind of agreement. So you you can see the sequencing is quite difficult. Yeah, and it sounds as though there may be a little bit of contradiction there, or maybe I'm reading it wrong with the idea that the that Ukraine would agree to some kind of neutrality while at the same time calling for security guarantees along the lines of NATO. How is NATO reacting to what Ukraine is looking for here. Well, you know, NATO is is rather split. Um, so you have a group of countries, including the UK and uh, most of the Eastern European countries, who are extremely skeptical of Russian intentions. Uh, they see the peace talks as a, a significant risk there that Russia is basically using them to regroup after a difficult campaign uh, and doesn't really intend to give anything up uh, in terms of its major goals that in on the ground it continues to push for territorial gain um, and there are signs you know as they tr- try and replace the uh, Ukrainian rivna with the Russian ruble in occupied areas that they you know they, they're not um, planning to leave anytime soon uh, so there's a skeptical group and on the other side there's France Germany and, and various others who say look the first uh, priority here is to get a ceasefire to stop the killing Um, And we should be open-minded, open-ended about what it takes to do that. 
These discussions are expected to last uh, today into tomorrow, so we will continue monitoring them here on Bloomberg Radio. In the meantime, Mark Champion, thanks for keeping us updated on what's been happening so far. Mark Champion is a senior reporter for International Affairs for Bloomberg News. Looking ahead to the market open, futures are moving a touch higher and yields are flattening the curve. S&P futures are up 22 points. Dow futures up 154. Nasdaq futures are higher by 88 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 13, 30 seconds with a yield 2.50%. Yield on the two-year, 2.42. It's a spread of almost eight basis points. NYMEX crude is down six-tenths percent or 67 cents at $105.35 a barrel. COMEX gold right now down 1.6%, down $30.60 at 1914.30 an ounce. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, breezy, the high only near 40 today. Some midday rain, afternoon rain showers possible tomorrow with highs in the mid-40s. Could be near 70 by Thursday. Right now, 25 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Ukraine is looking for a ceasefire agreement and talks with Russian negotiators. They're meeting right now in Turkey, where President Erdogan says he expects, quote, good news from the peace talks. In the meantime, Karen, President Biden is clarifying his remarks on Vladimir Putin. He says the U.S. is not seeking regime change in Russia, but that he still has the right to express concern. I was expressing my outrage at the behavior of this man. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. And it's more an aspiration than anything. He shouldn't be in power. There's no, I mean, people like this shouldn't be ruling countries, but they do. The fact they do, but doesn't mean I can't express my outrage. President Biden is rejecting criticism that his comments escalated the situation with Russia. Meantime, Nathan, the president's budget is also in focus. He's renewing efforts to squeeze more tax revenue from big companies and wealthy households. His new budget calls for $2.5 trillion in tax hikes. Turning to markets now, we have several companies making headlines this morning. Let's get the details live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. What you watching, John? Nathan, let's start with the change at the top at FedEx. The package delivery company has named Raj Subramanian as its new CEO. He takes over from founder Fred Smith, who pioneered Express. Press delivery almost 50 years ago. Up next, let's talk Amazon. It's become the first mega cap tech stock to erase losses for the year. Shares are now up 1.4% since January 1st. And finally, Apple shares, they're heading for their longest winning streak since 2003. After a dismal start to 2022, Apple's seen its earnings estimates being upgraded by analysts. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Let's turn to Hong Kong now, where the outlook for bankers is looking up. This city has seen an exodus of finance staff, but those that stayed are getting rewarded. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Good morning. 
morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. For tech-savvy workers willing to live in the somewhat isolated city, opportunities like big promotions and pay increases are plentiful, at least for the short term. Typically, finance workers heading to a different company in Hong Kong would get about a 15% pay hike. But executive search firm ESGI says they're seeing 20 to 30% increases. Meantime, data show the number of new visas issued to foreign financial service workers in Hong Kong is down almost 50% from 2018. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. Your local headlines to check a sports straight ahead. This is Bloomberg. All right, thanks, Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street. We're at 25 degrees in Central Park. Still seeing some lingering construction on the sawmill. We'll get the details in traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is criticizing Florida's so-called don't-say-gay bill. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill that limits instruction about gender identity and sexual orientation in kindergarten through third grade. In Florida, we will make sure that parents can send their kids to school to get an education, not an indoctrination. Critics say it will further marginalize those in the LGBTQ community. Mayor Adams called the bill hateful and harmful, saying to the families living in fear of this state-sponsored discrimination, you're welcome in New York City. Our arms and hearts are wide open, embracing every child of every identity always. The House committee investigating last year's attack on the U.S. Capitol has voted unanimously to hold two aides to former President Donald Trump in contempt of Congress. Trade advisor Peter Navarro and communications aide Dan Scavino have refused for months to comply with subpoenas. It comes as U.S. District Judge David Carter ruled, based on the evidence the court finds, it is more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021. During the contempt hearing, committee chair Benny Thompson said the judge's ruling is a victory for the rule of law. I encourage people at home to read what Judge Carter wrote and consider his words very carefully. His warnings about the ongoing threat to American democracy should alarm every person in this country. The panel's resolution now goes to the House. Approval there would send the charges to the Justice Department. There has been an apology after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Academy Awards Sunday. Smith issued a personal apology to Rock. Smith could face disciplinary action by the Motion Picture Academy. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stasha. Thanks, Nathan. The Knicks' playoff hopes remain slim. The damage done with that midseason stretch where they lost 17 out of 20. But to their credit, Knicks not going down without a fight. Just had a 3-0 road trip. Came home. Came from 12 down. Beat Chicago 109-104. R.J. Barrett, 28 points. We fight. So that's it's not an option for us. We fight no matter what. Um, we're a very good team. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been... Disappointed with how we started the season, but we're a very good team, and we're pulling out these wins, and we're, we're scratching and clawing and playing very well. Alec Burks added 27, second straight game where Burks hit the big three down the stretch on a night where Julius Randle only made one shot. His backup, Obi Toppin, scored 17 points. Slumping Warriors missing Steph Curry, blown out in Memphis. Golden State's lost 6 of 7. NCAA Women's Final Four will have three one seeds. 
Stanford, South Carolina, and Louisville, plus UConn, who had a down season by their standards with five losses. But the Huskies beat top seed NC State double overtime and now off to a 14th Final Four in a row. UConn had a big home court advantage getting to play the game in Bridgeport. NFL owners meeting in Florida, facing criticism for lack of minority head coaches and announcing a change in hiring practices. And so often teams look to hire coaches whose background is on offense. Every team will now have to have a minority on its staff that works with the offense. And the Rooney rule that demands interviews with minority candidates has been expanded to now include female candidates. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. A $40 million gift from Citadel's Ken Griffin is helping the American Museum of Natural History complete a 230,000-square-foot center. The donation is part of the $340 million raised so far for the Richard Gilder Center for Science, Education, and Innovation. New York could offer the world's first cannabis muni bonds or a fund named after Harlem's hash lounges from the 20s. Those are ideas being pitched to promote diversity among the initial owners of New York marijuana dispensaries. Now the state wants to encourage social equity applicants to start up the cannabis outlets. Well, there's a slight gender pay gap for men under 30 in New York City. Nationally, women in that age group earn about 93 cents on the dollar compared to men, according to the Pew Research Center. The gender gap in favor of women under 30 in New York is slim. They make 102% of what their male peers earn. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thank you, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve POTUS got on 1010 Winds in New York. We're talking about a passenger flight from JFK to Hong Kong. That'll be the world's longest in an effort to avoid Russian skies. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Southwest agrees to give races to customer service agents. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that Citadel's Ken Griffin is donating $40 million to New York's American Museum of Natural History. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting the store known for making big investments in neighborhoods around the city in recent years is closing. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. The U.S. is facing a retirement crisis. About half of working-age households won't have enough resources to live comfortably after they leave the workforce. That's a looming disaster for them and a fiscal mess in the making. After all, the more people reach retirement without enough money, the more they'll depend on the social safety net. By 2030, seniors will require an added $7 billion in annual public assistance in New Jersey alone. That's almost a fifth of the current state budget, and the situation in other states will likely be worse. This week, the House is expected to consider legislation expanding automatic enrollment in employee retirement plans. That's a welcome start, but more is still needed. Above all, policymakers must be thinking seriously about how to get Americans to save more for their golden years. 
This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at O-P-I-N go. S&P futures are up 23 points. That's a gain of a half percent. Dow futures up 152. NASDAQ futures are higher by 89 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 13, 30 seconds. The yield 2.50% yield on the two-year 2.43. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine and a breeze today with a high only near 40. We'll get to the mid-40s tomorrow with showers. Might see a few more afternoon showers on Thursday as well with a high near 70. Right now, 25. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks on the rise as ceasefire talks between Russia and Ukraine help to fuel risk appetite. U.S. stock index futures also gaining after benchmark indexes rose for a third session yesterday. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up 21 points. Dow futures up 139. NASDAQ futures up 88. The DAX in Germany is up 2%. 10-year Treasury down 13.30 seconds. Yield 2.50%. The yield on the two-year, 2.43. NYMEX crude oil is up a quarter percent or 29 cents at $106.24 a barrel. COMEX gold down one and a half percent down $29.20 at $19.15.60 an ounce. The euro 1.1042 against the dollar. British pound 1.3095 and the yen at 123.72. And Bitcoin this morning moving lower down about seven tenths percent at $47,650. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Russia and Ukraine have started peace talks in Istanbul. In Mariupol alone, Russia's siege of the southern city has killed almost 5,000 people, according to the city's mayor. President Joe Biden said he wasn't announcing a U.S. policy change when he declared Russian President Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power, but was expressing his own anger about the invasion of Ukraine. Biden told reporters, I am not walking anything back. The fact of the matter is I was expressing the moral outrage I felt. In the NBA, the Knicks won. The Celtics and Warriors lost. UConn is heading back to the women's NCAA Final Four for the 14th straight time. The Huskies beat North Carolina State 91-87 in a double overtime thriller. UConn will face Stanford. Louisville is also in. They'll face South Carolina. In the NHL, the Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we're joined now by Bloomberg Washington correspondent Joe Matthew, host of Sound On here on Bloomberg Radio as we continue to assess the fallout, the continuing fallout, it seems, from President Biden's remarks uh, in Warsaw over the weekend, as we just heard from Michael in the news there, Joe. Mm-hmm. The president is uh, not walking anything back, he says. Is he yeah. cleaning up the cleanup? Well, I guess, you know, cleaning up as opposed to walking back, maybe in Washington there's there's uh, there's some truth in the middle of those two things. The fact of the matter is Joe Biden called 
only hours earlier called Vladimir Putin on Saturday a butcher. He called him a war criminal last week. He's called him a pariah. So when you really consider what was said at the podium on Saturday night, while it got a lot of people worked up, it really didn't change anything. It wasn't a new uh, opinion that the president was forming. It just seemed to get people worked up about the idea of regime change. And he did clean up that part of the remark yesterday. I will note that this was a news conference if I can even call it that, it was supposed to be a speech rolling out yeah. the new budget proposal. Reporters had nothing but questions about this, and that's the problem. Yeah, and I guess that's no surprise here, uh, given the fallout that we're seeing as talks are now underway between uh, Russian and Ukrainian negotiators once mm-hmm. again, and NATO watching from the sidelines. Do the president's comments complicate what's happening as far as diplomacy goes to try to end this war? Well, if you ask, if you ask Emmanuel Macron of France, he'd say yes. He was concerned about the butcher remark that I mentioned, along with the, the comments, the nine words, as they've become known uh, from Saturday night. But the fact of the matter is expectations are pretty low for these talks. And, and when you when you consider the nine words that the president said in that speech, again, they don't really advance the ball from what has already been said. If you believe that Vladimir Putin is a war criminal, this administration says that it does, then that is entirely consistent with believing that that person doesn't deserve to run their own country. It doesn't mean, however, that America is going to go in and knock him out. That's that's the one thing the president had to make clear. So where does diplomacy go from here, Joe? Has there been any reach out between the U.S. and Russia when it comes to what the president had to say? No, I don't think so. Not at least not on a political level. We do have a deconfliction line that apparently we are testing on a daily basis between the U.S. and Russian militaries just for the sake of communications to avoid an accident, that type of thing. Uh, but the president was asked yesterday repeatedly if he would uh, be open to, to meeting with Vladimir Putin. And his only answer each time around was it depends. It depends what you know, what is it that we would get? What is it that he would be asking uh, at some point, if we're going to have a ceasefire here, someone's going to need to talk to Vladimir Putin, whether it's Joe Biden is another question. To go back to your earlier point about all the questions being about Russia as opposed to the budget release, let's talk about the budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a lot of attention on these uh, new tax proposals for the wealthy, and it seems as though they're already getting some uh, pretty important pushback. Yeah, well, you know, the, the gentleman from West Virginia is always there when you need him, unless your name okay. is Joe Biden, I guess. Uh, you cannot, a fascinating quote, you can't be taxed on things you don't have said Joe Manchin. This is referring to this idea of taxing unrealized gains. It's uh, it's a $5.8 billion, trillion dollar uh, budget, I should say. And part of this involves a, a drop in deficit spending. The White House is trying to show fiscal responsibility with a trillion dollars over 10 years in deficit reduction. But to achieve that, you need this billionaire's tax, if I can call it that, a 20% minimum tax on income and unrealized gains for households worth $100 million or more. This is going to sound familiar to you, Nathan. We talked about it back when this was a component or at least proposed to be part of the Build Back Better legislation last year. And, of course, that did not pass. The chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, Richard Neal, apparently is not in favor of this. Kirsten Cinema is not about to vote for it, so it's unlikely that this goes anywhere. Bloomberg's Joe Matthew, our Washington correspondent, host of Sound On here on Bloomberg Radio. Of course, we'll have much more on Sound On coming up this afternoon, 5 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. And we'll be checking back with uh, Joe later on in this program, Bloomberg Daybreak, later on. Karen. 
All right, Nathan, it is 553 on Wall Street. It's time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Postal Service has evaded claims that its use of facial recognition software without a privacy impact assessment violated a federal law. Ralph Lauren will have to face biometric privacy claims brought by an employee who says the practice of requiring workers to clock in and out with their fingerprints violates the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act. The Coca-Cola company officially walked away from race-based staffing requirements for law firms doing work for the company. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching brings us to vaccination requirements in the military. A divided Supreme Court said the Navy can limit deployment and training for 35 SEALs and other special operations forces who are refusing to get vaccinated against COVID-19. They cite religious grounds. A lower court judge had ordered the Navy to deploy sailors without regard to their vaccination status, but the White House said that would jeopardize safety and mission success given that SEALs often operate in tight quarters. The court granted the Biden administration's emergency request with three conservative justices dissenting. For more on the case, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Dorit Reese, a professor at the University of California Hastings College of Law. There was no opinion for the court. Does the concurring opinion of Justice Brett Kavanaugh tell us anything? Yes, it does. First of all, it's very usual not to have a fully reasoned opinion on this kind of emergency stay cases. As a reminder, the case hasn't been fully briefed or decided. And the question is, should we uphold or overturn an emergency stay? The concurrence tells us that for at least some of the justices, the main issue was how much difference to give to the Navy's decisions who to deploy. The court has a long tradition of deferring to the Navy's judgment and the military's judgment as uh, Justice Cavano highlighted, and at least for some of us, that was probably the issue here as well. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin had urged the court to remedy what he called an extraordinary and unprecedented intrusion into core military affairs that has no precedent in American history. Is this basically about the principle of separation of powers? Yes. I will add that there are some things in the, the dissent that do raise questions. So the military acknowledges that they're subject to the Religious Freedom Restoration Act requirements of only not respecting religious interests when it's a compelling interest and the least restrictive means. They seem to have made it practically impossible to get a religious exemption. And Justice Alito is right that in any other context, that would be seen as a problem, as bad faith application of religious exemption. And here, too, by doing it so aggressively, the military created an appearance of not really taking seriously the religious exemption. And that's Dorit Reese, a professor at the University of California Hastings College of Law, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news, by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg terminal at BlawGo. Again, futures this morning are on the rise. S&P futures are up 20 points, Dow 
futures up 145 and Nasdaq futures up 68. 10-year Treasury down 14.30 seconds, yield 2.51%, and the yield on the two-year, 2.43%. NYMEX crude oil is up two tenths percent or 19 cents at $106.17 a barrel. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, we have a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.